if we follow society's training that we feel good when we get things done and deny the reality that it ever gets done, we are destined to be unhappy and unsatisfied as long as we remain in this pursuit. And it's not only a high-pressure quest, it's an impossible one. And this game-changing conversation that we're going to have today, I'm going to show you how to stop being motivated to get it all done and how to calm down and to make better choices with your time. I'll share with you why it's good to accept that there isn't enough time, that you can't get it all done and that you are enough anyway. You are listening to episode 102 of the Playing Full Out podcast with Rita Hyland. Hello, I'm Rita Hyland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. Hello. Welcome back to Playing Full Out. I'm so excited to be back with you after this month away, and I'm really super excited for our topic today, Rethinking Getting Things Done. This isn't just an important conversation. It really is life-changing in terms of how we view time management and productivity, what we call work-life balance, and living a more meaningful life. Now, this topic of getting things done is one that is always on my client's mind. It's one that they have more struggle with than any other. It's one that we oftentimes have battle with. It's also been one personally that I have been challenged by as I, like many, have juggled many identities over the last two years and many roles, many hats. And this last month, I took away some time for travel abroad, for fun, and I began the month in Slovenia, a country located, in case you don't know, between Croatia and Turkey. For those who have not heard of it, as I hadn't before agreeing to go with my son for a summer adventure. And we arrived there after quite a long flight to Turkey, and then a short jaunt to Slovenia. We arrived in the morning of, in Slovenia, and we were a bit jet-lagged after the long journey, but also realized that we couldn't get into our home or our hotel room for another four or five hours. So we had some time on our hands, and we decided to go outside and explore. And we began with an old mini golf place that was right outside the back of the hotel. And it was my first introduction to Sylvanian people. And I went up to this man working the mini golf counter. And I said, hi, can we get two rounds of golf? And he looked up at me with an unenthused expression at best. And he said slowly in an annoyed tone, first, it's hello. Now, yes, you can buy two rounds. And I walked away a bit startled and perplexed. And I asked the friend who was with me, if I had just been schooled by the mini golf man. And she said, I had not imagined it. Indeed, I was. And I thought I'd said hi. And I asked her if that was right. And she said, she affirmed that I did. So I was completely taken by surprise and slightly irritated as I was the client. And I couldn't believe that this was my first introduction with a Slovenian man. 
And the amazing part, this literally started the week and I couldn't get it out of my mind all week. One point I asked my husband, who is not with us, but over here in the States, I said, you know, what, what gives, what happened? And my husband who travels more than I do said he was likely irritated because you were like most Americans moving too fast. And I replayed the incident back in my mind and it occurred to me that maybe I should have said the greeting slower and then paused to let him give me a greeting in return and not just shot out my request. It was interesting, I thought. So I continued to be aware of my pace in comparison to the Europeans that I saw vacationing there as well. And not only did I not want to annoy them, I was genuinely curious. So the first day my friend pointed out that we were the only people among the Europeans walking so fast to get to a local store. It was like we were speed walking, power walking, which we were. And I noticed, what was I doing? What was I racing to? It was vacation where the Europeans were lingering next to the lake, sunbathing. They didn't have a ton of stuff with them. They just threw their towels down on the grass, eating their small meals that they would bring, just being. While they did that, we were continually involved in activity after activity. And while we thoroughly enjoyed it because that was our pace that we're used to, it was just interesting and curious to me. And I realized how crazy we Americans must appear to them. And as I do with most things that don't feel right, I started to look at what was underneath this fast pace and what made us so different. And as I have reflected, what's occurred to me is that the pace is the byproduct of the pursuit of getting things done, of maximizing productivity and getting things crossed off the list. Even in some cases when there's nothing to get done is when someone like myself is waiting for a hotel room in a foreign country at the start of a vacation. Nothing for me to get done, nothing for me to be productive or efficient about. Then it occurred to me after more than a half century of me being alive and trying and never getting it done, why was I failing? And what I realized is because it's never going to happen. It's never going to work. Now, before you think I've turned to a hopeless fatalist, let me explain. It's truth that I will never get it all done nor reach the level of control of my life that I've been trying to reach, consciously or unconsciously aiming to reach. And it's the truth for you too. And yet something startling and amazingly happened when I acknowledged that I would never get it all done. It didn't make me more anxious. It did the exact opposite. And I felt calm and I felt free because there was no longer a battle with time. I wasn't in a race to some impossible there. The challenge was no longer about getting it done, but simply a question of what things did I want to do and what things did I want to stop. And I felt like I discovered this key to get out of struggle and any of the associated anxiety by simply accepting instead of resisting what is true. All I had needed to do was to surrender to what is real. And this mindset shift was mind-blowing to me and so peaceful. What was, as I said, unexpected and counterintuitive to me and what happened when I accepted that reality that I would never have all the time I needed for everything is it, again, didn't make me feel defeated. It actually calmed me down. And there was a relief of surrendering to, I can't do it all, 
because then at least I was not going to hold myself accountable to an impossible standard. And I no longer was going to have to end the day feeling that I was failing on the daily, whether I was conscious of it or not. And I think that's what's important to understand is that oftentimes we're probably not conscious of this. This is so ingrained in us and taught to us by society and that we're not even aware that we're doing it. It's this this stress, this quest to get it all done. And when we recognize that, again, that it is not even a possibility, that as long as we're here, there's going to be stuff to do that we cannot control like we think we can and that we're not supposed to, what falls over us is an incredible piece of letting go of the fight. Now, I've long talked about doing less and avoiding basing your worth on your last result or your last accomplishment. But this mind shift that it was never possible to get it done anyways, that it's, that's not even reality and you're not supposed to do that, that is another level of resolving the struggle that so many are trying to manage their life and their time by. Again, what became more clear is that our challenge isn't about managing getting everything done nor getting everything that everybody else wants done from us. That's never going to happen. But to decide what not to do and to feel peace about not doing it, that is what we need to get good at. I get questions all the time. How do I manage it all? How do I take care of myself and get everything done? We don't. We don't get it all done ever. Think about how old you are right now. Have you ever gotten it all done? Have you ever felt in control of everything in your life? If you are like most, the answer is a definitive no, and there's a reason. It's because we can't and we're not meant to. Yet too often, too many of us are denying that reality and we struggle and suffer. So the more we try to manage our time with this goal of feeling that when we manage our time and when we control it all, that we will be enough, the irony is the more stressful it gets. I would call when I was having my first kid, like many new mothers, I was determined to finish everything I needed to do before the baby was born and knowing that I wouldn't be able to be as productive or efficient when the baby came. So I worked really hard in the months and the weeks and the days before to get it all done. And one day I recall sitting there and I was like, oh my God, you know, the stars aligned. I'd crossed off everything on my list. But then within the hour, something happened and there was something to add. And the more the day went on, the more things got added to the list. And I became obsessed with having this clean list. It's sort of like if you haven't had a baby or you haven't had this situation, it's like getting a zero inbox and you can think that that's going to help with your productivity or your efficiency. And then all of a sudden you become obsessed to keep it at a zero inbox. And the whole idea of the zero inbox was to meant ironically to keep you calm. And it does the exact opposite. It actually creates the anxiety. And this was the same as I wanted my, my, my list to be cleared, but I got more obsessive and anxiety ridden by having it cleared and then trying to keep it that way. My daughter was 14 days late and I observed firsthand what I'm saying right now, that getting it done is an illusion. And the more we deny it, the harder our lives actually get. Conversely, when we accept reality through this lens that we won't ever get everything we want done or that others want from us done, then we can end this feeling of failing and the anxiety that comes with it. In essence, by not accepting reality, instead denying it, we keep struggling. And that struggle leads to more anxiety and a life that's a lot less fulfilling. So if you want to reconfigure your life around what matters, addressing 
reality, which means looking at our ideas around productivity and what's real requires this mental shift that I'm talking about first. And I promise you, if you can really embrace it more than that you should embrace it, but that you're, you get your mind around that, oh, I'm not supposed to have that done. I'm not supposed to be going to bed with an absolutely clean list. I'm not a failure. This is what's supposed to be. And once you can accept that very large mind shift, because it's one that we are unconsciously handed down, that we are as good as our productivity and that our aim is to become more efficient and to use all of the hacks and the tools that are given by productivity managers. When we turn that upside down and on its head, we realize not that we become more anxious, but that we just become more calm because as we know, what we resist persists. Once you accept that and you get comfortable with the freedom that it provides, since you no longer have to race like a bat out of hell to be productive, here are a few concrete practical suggestions for a life of more meaning and less struggle that I encourage you to try. I'll give you four of them. The first is to do what is most important to you first. Leaving your most important work to the end of the day or when you think you will have time and getting all the other urgent things that you call important done first is never a good idea or the right approach to your most meaningful work. So what you want to do is schedule a meeting for the first hour or 90 minutes, whatever that you are willing to assign to of your day. Do this appointment with yourself for your most important work. My clients refer to it as their MIW. And protect it as if you would an appointment with your most respected client or colleague. You wouldn't cancel. You wouldn't reschedule. You wouldn't let them down. The second tool or technique that I suggest is to focus on what you have done rather than what you haven't. This is an interesting thing. I always begin with my clients to ask what it is that they are proud of or what they want to celebrate, what their wins are, what's going well. And it's amazing how easy it is after two weeks for people to forget what they have successfully accomplished. And instead, favoring to say not that much or these are the things I'm still looking to do when I ask them what it is that they're proud of or what they want to celebrate. And the reason for this is that it's like each day we wake up with this productivity deficit. And either consciously or unconsciously, we seek to earn our way out of this metaphorical red and into the black of the balance sheet. And then we measure ourselves at the end of the day, not based on how much we have done, but how much we still have to do or how much we have not done. So then what happens is we go to bed being in lack sometimes feeling shame, guilt, or failure by how much more we still have to do. Our attention is what we don't have, what we haven't accomplished, instead of, again, seeing what we have accomplished. So I've encouraged my clients to create a list of all that they have done, a celebration list. And while they may enjoy crossing off the things that they have done, they then move those same items, no matter how small, to their done list to celebrate and move their attention to more abundance and success versus only placing their attention on what's missing or their failure to do. Because most of us forget how far we've come. We don't look at how far we come. We only look at what is missing and how far we have to go. Okay, that's your third thing. That's your second thing. Your third thing is to decide to do only one to three projects at a time. I can't tell you how many people, and I've brought this up before, have 10 projects at a given time. What this does is it splits our attention. It splits our focus. It promises that we don't complete any. So in this step, it's really getting in, and the science has been done on how much we can split our attention. 
and to decide to only do one to three projects at a time. And this means that we agree at the same time to postpone all the rest, at least as much as we can possibly do, until we complete these first one to three projects. Too often, like I said, we have seven to 10 projects, and then we never complete any, which contributes to the struggle and the anxiety again. Obviously, we can't postpone all of life. There are daily tasks that we have to do to eat, sleep, buy food, and that type of thing. But when we bring down our most important projects, our most important work, to really be focused and concentrated, something amazing happens. So this is another way to be conscious of not getting it all done, but getting one to three things that are important to us done. The fourth technique or tool is to create an actual drop list where you are writing down the things that you are letting go of, whether temporarily or forever. If every year, every month, you keep writing down the same project and you just keep moving it forward, whether that's losing five pounds or this one dream project you have, be willing to drop it. The things that continue to be at the top where your attention are just put in place your undivided attention and intention on them. This drop list is giving yourself permission to take these things off your list again so that you are not getting it all done, but you're getting done and making choices about what really matters to you. The bottom line is that when we drop this illusion, that we might get to a place where we feel in control of our life, which is an impossibility. I talk to people of all ages, of all levels, of all statuses. No one ever feels that they're in complete control. Did you ever feel like you were in control of your life? When we let go of this crazy pace and struggle, which leads to more judgment and shame, when we fail, when we let go of it all, things change rapidly. And as I've been reflecting on all of what I'm sharing with you over this last month, it's become clear to me why anxiety in our society has hit this new high level, especially since the pandemic, it's because we are in the throes of such an uncertain world that felt out of control. And many of us worked even harder to control it, to control an illusion. And then that illusion actually started to control us. And that's what felt even more anxiety-ridden to our system. And to know that anytime you feel anxiety, that you're not aligned with your truth. You're not aligned with the core of who you are, your highest self, your essential self, whatever that is. Be certain that when you have those types of feelings that something is misaligned. The struggle was endless during the pandemic. And I believe that's led to this high rate of anxiety and burnout. And again, I got the picture. I really grasped the picture of the hamster wheel. It makes more and more sense, doesn't it? It's this, it's this chase And it's a circle. There is no end. Just as I had been spending weeks spinning with this thought yesterday when I was visiting my dear and wise aunt in Williamsburg, Virginia, I was given this book. And I'd heard of it once before by another client, but I hadn't picked it up. But it's 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals. It's on the bestsellers list. And receiving this book completely proved to me the theory that when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And At the time of this recording, I've only read bits and parts of it, but if you are in a constant race, if you feel like there's never enough time or you're wondering if there's anything meaningful about work-life balance and whether it's real, which it's not, then I encourage you to read or get Oliver Berkman's book. Again, 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, because he compliments a lot and says a lot of what I'm talking about. And he says it amazingly and backs it with a lot of information and research and observations from others. And at one point, 
Berkman states, what matters is learning to make decisions consciously rather than by default or deceiving yourself that with enough hard work, you can get it all done. Later during the week of my vacation with my son in Slovenia, I went back to play mini golf again. (laughs) And that same man was still there, the golf man at the counter. And I said to my son, watch this. And I said, hello, quite calmly to the man. I then paused, giving him time to respond. And he said, hello, in return. And once our greetings were calmly completed on both ends, I asked for two rounds of golf. And he handed me two golf clubs and the ball, and my son and I played. And while it was pretty much the same thing that happened, it was completely different. It was civil, it was present, and it was calm. And for me, it was very different from my unconscious habit of being efficient in a culture that promotes efficiency and productivity that I'm used to. And it felt better. It felt good. I realized I have more than enough time. And it's all about perspective or change that I wasn't going to get it all done, but I had a choice on how I would show up. We don't have to get it all done, but we have the time to get done what is important if we choose it. That's the key. Again, we don't have time to get it all done, but we do have the time to get done what is important when we choose it. So this week, your call to action is to choose one of the four techniques I just discussed. Do your most important work. Start with that 45-minute or an hour work session for yourself, appointment with yourself. The second is to create a done list. Third, identify the one to three projects that you will place your complete attention on postponing the rest. And that's the fourth, which is to create a drop list, a postponing list, those things that you will not give your attention to now or perhaps forever. Okay. Harvard Business Review recognized that achievers have a tendency of delaying their own gratification constantly, especially in exchange for getting things done. Just for the sake of accomplishing something, this place to be expedient and proficient and productive and efficient So think about that the next time your child asks you to play a game, but instead you opt for getting another response off on your iPhone. Is that the better choice? Maybe if you're responding to tell someone how to call 911, but how often does that happen? Simply ask yourself if you're putting off your own gratification, if you're putting off what is meaningful to you in this space of unconsciously trying to get it all done. Are you being subconsciously obsessive and checking things off your list? This is a good place to start. I promise you, you will have an unexpected freedom when you remind yourself when the anxiety hits that I'm not going to get it all done and I'm not supposed to get it all done. And instead, to begin a few practices on making the choices of what is most important to you. I look forward to being with you in our next podcast. I hope this has been helpful and ask you to give yourself more credit to celebrate your wins and enjoy these next two weeks with a newfound freedom and peace of mind. This is Rita Highland, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. 
If you have questions, I'm here to answer them. And they even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast.